You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Are you ready? It's the G Talk Show with G Mama, Josh, and Tony. So sit back, strap in, and, and brace yourself. yourself. Hey, Route 16 Off-Road is a veteran-owned and operated community-focused brand. To ensure they are meeting the needs of the great Jeep and off-road community, they need your help. Route 16 is currently looking for brand ambassadors to represent them on the trail, and their clubs, and of course, at events. If you're interested in applying, email sales at route16.com. That's sales at route16.com. And today's episode of the Jeep Talk Show is also sponsored in part by Extreme Terrain. Leaders in the 1987 to 2018 Wrangler parts and accessories, Extreme Terrain provides top-tier expertise and customer support from genuine Wrangler experts. Stay tuned later in this episode for details on their massive Deegan 38 armor package giveaway you won't want to miss out on. Hey, Tony, did you see the video of the kid's toy Jeep engulfed in flames? You know, I did, but I was confused. I didn't think that Jeep had released a JL toy Jeep. (laughs) Hey, Josh, what's coming up on this episode? Well, Tony, uh, we have some (laughs) sad news in this week in Jeep. Actually, it's kind of of a sad uh, news week in general. Uh, Tammy phones in her Wrangler talk segment about the TJ, and I emphasize phones in. Uh, We have some sad news. (laughs) I know, it's no laughing matter, but we do have some sad news uh, from Nikki G about Sir Craps a lot. And we'll hear from Steve 4.3 LXJ about the Dana 30 axle we find underneath the TJs and the uh, XJs. And speaking of the Dana 30 axle, we'll be getting into our next installment of upgrading the JK Dana 30. All of this and more on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep is brought to you, of course, by Amazon.com. Looking for a way to support the show? I bet you are. Well, just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon, and a small fraction from anything you purchase using that link will go towards the Jeep Talk Show. If you like what you hear or have gotten any benefit from what we do here, well, then please consider giving back. That's jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon. And thanks in advance. Well, a recent FCA recall affects Jeeps. It's unfortunate, and it's been a little while since we've heard about a recall. Well, this report, when this report first hit the news feeds this week, it was amidst a fair amount of drama and speculation, with the dust nowhere near settled after the big changes at the executive level at FCA. A massive recall was sure to ignite a fire. Now, however, the recall, although fairly serious, isn't affecting that many Jeeps. The recall affects a little over 200,000 minivans and SUVs worldwide across multiple platforms to fix what's basically a a spongy brakes uh, problem, a problem that can cause longer stopping distances than the driver would otherwise expect during normal driving conditions. However, most of that is in the minivan side of things. The recall covers the 2018 Dodge Journey, the 2018 and 2019 Dodge Grand Caravans. However, with the Jeep Compass and the 2019 Jeep Cherokee also being affected, it might be a good idea to get into the dealer right away if you do have one of these, just to make sure you're safe. Now, the company says that a brake system part wasn't built to specifications, allowing gas bubbles to form in the brake fluid. Now, once this happens, the ability of the brakes to apply adequate force to the pads is greatly reduced. Imagine pressing on the brake pedal and it not having the resistance you were expecting. Not only that, but your ability to stop in a relatively short distance is 
well, now impossible. <laughs> FCA has received no customer complaints or reports of any crashes or injuries from the problem as of yet. The owners are, uh, will be notified shortly if they haven't already gotten the notices. And dealers will replace the brake fluid, which Fiat Chrysler claims will solve the problem. To me, that sounds a red flag. Now, here's where, I, where I'm going to ask you guys to do something I very rarely recommend doing. And that is, if you are affected by this recall, I want you to question the experts. Now, I'm being deadly serious here. Ordinarily, I wouldn't say to do that. But as this is a potentially life and death matter here, we want to go ahead and cover all the bases. I want you to ask the service manager, the guy who's going to be writing up the service ticket to address the recall on your vehicle, how just replacing fluid that was allegedly fine to begin with when it was put into the Jeep from the factory is going to prevent a part that wasn't built to specifications, according to the wording from the recall, from continuing, continuing to permit air to enter the system. I'm guessing this isn't going to be the last that we'll be hearing of this. That doesn't make a lot of sense. It really doesn't. No, it, it doesn't, does it? I mean, if imagine this. If you have a faulty caliper, you know, and it's got a crack in it or something like that, or let's say, you know, the Zerk on it just doesn't seal and, and it's allowing air into the system, how is putting fresh brake fluid in there going to fix that problem? It's not, plain mm -hmm. and simply. No. This is All this is going to do is be putting a Band-Aid over the problem. Now, maybe there is a chance that whoever at FCA wrote up this uh, the, uh, wrote up the uh, the article on this uh, for the recall maybe mistyped something maybe forgot to add something in there I don't know this is kind of early in the announcement um, so we'll be checking out over the next week whether or not there's any more details that come out on this and of course we'll be letting you guys know you know I don't know if this crossed your mind or not but we know of a young lady that recently had a, a wreck and almost lost her life in a Jeep compass uh, in your neck of the woods and I couldn't help but think about uh, a braking issue uh, possibly uh, contributing to that. I mean, I, I know Polly Shore was the main reason for, the, for their accident, but whenever she's trying to brake from going over the, careening over the edge of the cliff, uh, if you had spongy, spongy brakes, that would be bad. Yeah, not sure the exact details on that, but nonetheless, I mean, this is definitely something we want to look out for. Uh, this is, again, affecting 2018 and 2019 vehicles, so... Uh, if you do have a 2018, 2019 Jeep Cherokee Compass, uh, maybe you want to take it to the dealership or at least give them a call uh, and talk to them a little bit. Find out if you're going to be affected by this recall or not. And a man falls from a Jeep while hunting and dies. A Utah man was pronounced dead after he fell off the back of a Jeep while hunting late Monday night, according to the state's highway patrol. The deceased has been identified as 28-year-old Nicholas J. DeMoss of West Valley City. A silver Jeep Wrangler was traveling westbound on State Route 153 near Milepost 21 in Beaver County at around 10.35 p.m. The two passengers were standing on a homemade rack on the back of the Jeep while bow hunting mule deer. While they were traveling, a single strap or handle that was attached to the roll cage of the Jeep broke, according to the Highway Patrol. When this happened, Damas fell off the back of the Jeep. And it is unclear how fast the Jeep was traveling at the time, but when he fell... His head hit the pavement. Oh, CPR man. was initiated on scene by first responders. A life flight helicopter was also responded to the scene. DeMoss, however, was pronounced dead at the scene, according to the report. Oh, Just tragic, gosh, Tony. I mean, now, there's there's two key things that stand out to me in 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 this article or in this story here. Uh, the first one is homemade, and the other one was single strap. Now, look, I, I know that, you know, there's all sorts of backyard ingenuity that goes into 
uh, into the, the sport of hunting and whatnot. I've, I've worked, you know, it's not worked. I've, I've hunted with guys who have really some unique concepts when it comes to uh, out in the wilderness and, and what they do. Uh, I've seen all sorts of things on boats and on vehicles and trees, the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, this is definitely well within that range. Somebody had made something uh, to kind of, you know, all right, we're going to make this perch. We're going to drive down the road, get, you know, cover a lot of ground in a short period of time, find out where the deer are, be able to bow hunt, you know, on the move, uh, come back. And, you know, I don't know exactly what sort of operation they were running here, but nonetheless, a single strap holding everything up, man, or at least maybe that was his safety strap. There's a lot of details in this that, that aren't, that aren't shared, but it definitely paints a picture of a lot of negligence. I you know, I'm, I'm no expert, uh, and I've only been deer hunting uh, like once, maybe twice. But I'm thinking that you got to be pretty quiet. And uh, and you have to be even quieter if you're bow hunting because you got to be that much closer. And being strapped to the back of a Jeep uh, with, a, with a bow and arrow trying to hunt deer, I can't imagine why you'd be moving anyway. So the only thing I can figure is, is that they were out, they were moving from one, from one spot to another. And why do you need to be on the back strapped uh, to, to a roll bar standing on a platform? Sit your ass down. You know, I, I don't know that this is the case, but peer pressure often uh, causes a, a lot of issues with your personal safety. If you do not feel safe, it's better to be called uh, names and poked fun at for 50 years and have those 50 years than to die looking at something that you think to yourself, this is iffy at best. And, and Josh, I understand what you're saying as far as the homemade stuff, but remember, there's a lot of businesses that started off with homemade things yeah. that, that now are you know multi uh, a million, multi billion dollar companies. So uh, I don't have a problem with the homemade stuff, but but you do want to. It's human nature. How can I fix this? How can I fix this so nobody right. dies again? Well, let's stop doing stupid stuff. Nope, sorry. <laughs> It's not going to happen. <laughs> well, you got to wonder: was speed a factor? Was yeah. alcohol involved in this? You know, yeah. there, there's a lot of there's a lot of gray area in here as to uh, you know the unknown. There's a lot of details we don't know about this. Of course, you know, our, our deepest condolences go out to the family and whatnot. Absolutely. This is tragic. Anytime there's a loss of life in here, it's definitely no laughing matter. But we, I wanted to use this story to sort of point out, you know, the dangers of doing this sort of thing. I'm not going to try and talk anybody out of hunting. I'm a hunter myself. But, you know, when you're starting to get into self-made contraptions, traveling down paved roads, you know, I don't know. There's just there's a lot of red flags popped up on this one to me. So I wanted to highlight this one. I wanted to share this, this story with you guys and kind of use this as a discussion point to talk about some, you know, some safety concerns for this sort of stuff. Well, hey, if you guys have a news tip or you have a response to any one of our stories, be sure to let us know by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how. And coming up later in the show, an interview with Mike Heath, a division director at True Patriot, a charity organization doing some really amazing things for our vets. So stick around. You're going to want to hear this. Hey, coming up in Tech Talk, we're continuing our multi-part series and upgrading the JK Wrangler Dana 30 front axle. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. And we would sure like for you guys to go check out the 4x4 Radio Network website. The next time you're online, just pop over there, 4x4radionetwork.com. All one word there, really easy. You're going to see the Jeep talk show there, of course, but we've got something for, well, just about everybody there. And even if they're not into the whole Jeep thing, we've got something for anybody who's into the off-road stuff. 
You know, we've got the 4x4 podcast. We've got the Center Steer podcast. We've got the Trail Chasers podcast. And we've even got the On the Trail podcast. We're there, too. It's your one-stop shop for everything off-road related. You know, Josh, I don't know if it's a sign of the second coming or a sign of the apocalypse, but I listened to something on my little podcast player uh, day before yesterday. It was a new episode of the 4x4 podcast. So the trail trail chasers has come back <laughs> and Dan's come back. I mean, it was a, an actual bona fide episode with uh, Craig and rich and Dan, all three, you know, together again. Oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> all three of them together. All hey, three of them together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's been a while since we've heard that. <laughs> hey, Tammy, you predicted it. Here I am calling in. Tammy ain't here. <laughs> you ready? You did a great job on the YJ segment. You really did. In fact, I learned a couple things. Uh, I didn't know about some of the 95.5 model year changes. I I didn't know they ever had a TJ bumper on them, to be honest. Um, I guess you found something that even I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, my my knowledge of the YJ is mostly operational, not so much, uh, you know, bits and bytes, but uh, more or less just from owning YJs, uh, working on them, you know, what transmissions and engines and whatnot came and what model years and whatever. Uh, some of the little minutiae I've never really been all that uh, privy to uh, unless I experienced it myself. Uh, good job on the 96 model year. A lot of people will swear up and down there is a 96 model year of the Wrangler, and there is not. Good job. So, yeah, great. Uh, I, I enjoyed the segment. And, Tony, yeah. Um, I'm not sure why I sold the YJ. I ask myself that question frequently. In fact, the guy who bought it from me recently offered to sell it back to me, and I really had to convince myself not to, just oh. because of the same reasons that I told you why I don't have a YJ. So, anyway, thanks, guys. Uh, good research, Tammy, and uh, uh, good job. Thanks. Bye. I know this from personal experience, Nate. Tammy doesn't like suck-ups. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think he's just being a good sport. After uh, taking her to task uh, a couple weeks ago, I think he uh, wanted to kind of give her give her a little bit of sugar coating. Yeah, there we go. So, are we going to offer him another sticker? I think we've already sent him one. If not, no, uh, actually, we haven't. Already. We've we've only promised uh, to send out stickers because I haven't oh. sent out a sticker yet. <laughs> oh. oh, I've been trying to for weeks now. It's just oh, gee, I'm just horrible about sending things out. Uh, but I have it on my plan to take care of either tomorrow or this weekend. So no, no, he doesn't get no sticker. He, he just needs the one I promised him before. And he's yeah. getting that magazine subscription. Don't forget. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. No, he's getting hooked up. Yeah, he'll be all right. But you can get a sticker if uh, we uh, use your voicemail and we remember to offer you one. <laughs> so you can always send us an email and say, yeah, I sent you a voicemail. Where's my sticker? Hi, this is Steve, 4.3 Lux J, and I'd like to continue with our series on the Dana 30 front end. And last time we talked about the Bronco 2 front knuckle and hub conversion. And uh, this is not something that I'd want to run uh, a 35-inch tire on if you're looking for 33s and some extra strength and getting away from your unit bearings. That's fine and great, but, uh, you know, it's really not a heavy... Uh, duty hub. It's still a 2,750 pound hub and axle system there. So you can do better. And the way to go for that is the Reed Racing Knuckles with the half ton pickup spindles that they had used forever and ever. 
uh, from Dana Spicer. Um, they're quite strong. Reed Racing Knuckles, you won't break either. And uh, you have the advantage of going to a high steer. And also, you're going to pick up the ability to run half-ton pickup front disc brakes. Uh, generally, use Ford uh, calipers and so forth for this. And uh, that is a brake upgrade as well. So the downside of this is that you're not going to be using that five on four and a half bolt pattern. So you're going to have to be thinking about some wheels. And uh, cost on this, well, you're looking at uh, 450 bucks for the Reed Racing Knuckles, uh, plus whatever you want to get for a steering option. And whatever you can pick up out of the wrecking yard. So I'm going to say you're looking at uh, about 700 bucks, roughly, sort of more or less, not exactly, uh, to make this conversion. But you will have a front end that uh, is very strong and has uh, real hubs with real 30 spline axles. And uh, they they do use 27 spline outers, but they're uh, they're well matched to the 30 spline inner axle and You'll be uh, upgraded and ready to uh, possibly run those 37-inch tires if you want to be gentle and not have a uh, selectable locker. And uh, that's probably about as big as you would ever want to go with the Dana 30. Uh, beyond that, it's just really pushing it. And it would be, as they uh, say sometimes, polishing the turd. So that's the limits there. Next time, we're going to talk about uh, steering and brake options. And so we'll see you on the trail. Till next time. Shut up and listen. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut up. Shut up, Shane. Hey, shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler talk. It's time for G-Mama. I'm thinking about playing the crickets noise here, you know, but I guess that would just be mean, wouldn't it, to do it two times? <laughs> maybe a little, maybe a little. <laughs> hey, Tony and Josh, thanks for giving me the night off, but I didn't want to leave you empty-handed, and I know folks were probably wanting to hear the part three of my What is a Wrangler series. Last episode, I did the YJ, so next in line is the TJ. Now, this Jeep Wrangler arrived in Jeep showrooms in April of 1996. Six years of an overall investment that Jeep made and a 36-month production development phase. So it took Jeep a long time to get the TJ just right. Now, from the Wrangler TJ onwards, all Wranglers were fitted with coil springs instead of the leaf spring suspension. They reintroduced the round headlamps from the classic Jeep models. Late in the TJ's life cycle, a long-based, unlimited model was introduced. Also, a right-hand version of the TJ was available for export markets And it was offered for sale in the U.S., but only to rural postal carriers. This package featured the Dana 44 rear axle and hardtop with the 4.0 and automatic transmission. In 1998, the fuel tank became standard at 19 U.S. gallons capacity. In 1996, the side door mirrors were black metal framed. Then in 2002, the three-speed automatic transmission was replaced with a four-speed automatic with overdrive. The overdrive had a turn-off switch on the dash. The sound bar inside was changed to sound pods. 
and the interior seats went from the rounder model to a distinct separation between the back and headrest areas. Then in 2003, the side door mirrors were plastic molded mirrors. The radio bezels went from rectangle to a rounded edge rectangle. The standard skid plate was revised to make room for the Rubicon's bigger, here you go, Tony and Josh, NV2410R transfer case. I know how you guys like those number letter combination thingies. The North American TJ Wranglers were available in several standard trim features, including the 4.0L optional for the 2005-2006, vinyl seats, a rear removable bench seat, and some sport models featured the Dana 44 rear axle, the 3.73 axle ratio, 30-inch wheels, and tire group were optional. The Dana 44 could also be upgraded with a track lock limited slip differential case. And then some of the Sahara models came with a wider body, colored fender flares, body colored rocker sills, optional 30 inch wheel and tire group, and full steel doors. The Sahara also featured the exclusive decals and seat and trim, and the Dana 44 rear axle with a 3.73 axle ratio were optional. The Wrangler Rubicon, named for the Rubicon Trail in the Sierra Nevada mountains, was introduced in the summer of 2002. It featured front and rear air-actuated locking Dana 44 axles with the Rock Track NV241 4-to-1 ratio transfer case, diamond plate rocker panels, 16-inch alloy wheels, and the Goodyear MTR P245 75R16 tires. Then in 2005, the 2005 model year, Paramount Pictures released a movie, Sahara, which featured a Jeep Wrangler. So Jeep released a limited production Sahara edition unlimited Rubicon. Only 1,000 were produced and each one is numbered. They are all visually identical in the light khaki, but some were offered in a manual and others in an automatic. They also included the chrome grill, colored match flares, khaki hard top or soft top, as well as optional dual khaki tops. The graphite Moab wheels, a Sahara spare tire cover, woo! upgraded two-tone premium seats, Sahara decals, taillight guards, and a numbered dash badge. In 2003, the Tomb Raider edition was produced. It was, they produced about 1,000 to promote the movie Tomb Raider sequel, Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life. And that was with Angelina Jolie, I believe. Anyway, along with the standard Rubicon fare, it also included six-inch Alcoa-forged aluminum wheels, Tomb Raider badging, and a Mopar light bar, riveted fender flares, tubular grill guard, diamond-plated bumper guard, and the interior included dark slate fabric seats with red accented stitching down the center, silver surround instrument panel bezels, red seat belts, and a Tomb Raider badge with a serial number. The 2003, now get this, the 2003 Tomb Raider Limited Edition Wrangler Rubicon has become one of the most highly collectible Jeeps of all time. 
It's on the internet, and I guess we believe everything that's on the internet. <laughs> so anyway, that was What is a Wrangler? The TJ Wrangler. And next week, I'm going to be sharing with you the best Wrangler of them all, or anyway, I think they are, because I'm a little partial to them, is the JK and the JKU. So that will be in next week's episode. So guys, I hope you guys are having a good show. I will... Be here next week with some audio, and then I'll be back on the mic in two weeks. So have a great show, and I will talk to you guys later. I don't know how you feel about it, Josh, but I think the TJ, for me personally, is is one of my or the favorite Wrangler of mine. I I, I really like it. Uh, I can't remember what year it is, but there's a very a lot of similarities to the interior design of the XJ, which of course is my first Jeep. So it just it feels uh, it feels like home to me. I I, I just it just uh, feels comfortable. Yeah, I can I can uh, see that, and and not only that, I mean they made like a gazillion of them. So I mean, you know, you any Jeep event you go to, any off road park you go to, you're gonna oh, see yeah. a lot of TJs out on the road and out on the trails. So I mean, they're very very popular, and now with the JK becoming essentially an older generation Jeep, now we've moved on to the JL. The TJs are becoming very very sought after for. The Weekend Warriors, the toy-only vehicle, the one that only sees the trails, trailer vehicles, that sort of thing. The TJs used to be the quintessential Jeep. The JKs came out. They kind of started going to the wayside, starting to become a lot more aftermarket supported. Now, even more so. And uh, I I think we're going to see a new generation, or not a new generation, a new resurrection of TJs coming out that are going to be seeing a lot more off-road use than they ever have before. Yeah, very true. Now, she also mentioned the uh, the Tomb Raider model. I don't know about you, Josh, but I I, I look at that as just pure cheese. Anytime well, they come they, out with, uh, what was it, the, the JKs, they had some JKs yeah. that were uh, based on another game, uh, Black Ops, or I can't remember, it was a, a first-person shooter. And I don't, you know, if, you, if you're into that sort of thing, that's fine. But to me, it needs to say Jeep. You do, and if it says Rubicon on it, then that means something to me. <laughs> but historically, historically, Jeep has sort of gone out of their way to offer trim packages. Now, every auto manufacturer does this. They they offer a limited. They offer you know a Type R. You know, it's got like you know the racing stuff. I mean, just about every manufacturer has a line of packages that go with certain models right and and jeep is no exception and we go all the way back to the cjs you know we can start talking about the different trim package levels that they offered back then nothing's changed to this day decades and decades later they're still doing it it's just a matter of sort of what the soup du jour what's hot right now and at the time tomb raider was pretty big um, and you know, at the time for the JK, yeah, the, you know, the black ops was pretty big, you know, whatever video game, uh, that uh, I forgot right. what it was, modern warfare or something like that. Yeah. Anyways, uh, you know, it, it, it's being able to ride the coattails of something that it has a massive market presence and an automaker is not beyond doing something like that. Well, so, uh, but I'm saying as a jeeper, <laughs> I'm, with you. I'm with you, like, uh, you know, cause it is, it's, it's just so much fluff. It's like, yeah, what yeah. does this give me? off-road what does this give me as far as resale value what does this give me 15 20 years down the road when when this jeep is in its third fourth or fifth owner yeah absolutely nothing so you know again it's just it's all about market presence oh yeah marketing's great i have no problem marketing but just me as a as the person that's being marketed i go tomb raider you know i did think that the double tube oversized tube front bumper 
for the Angelina Jolie uh, Jeep was pretty uh, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, the one that was in the movie, I think it was a lot cooler than the one they, uh, yeah, they had on the Yeah, that's very yeah, that's very true. <laughs> well, hey, uh, as you guys heard, Tammy's not here this week, but she did get a chance to sit down with a fellow Jeep girl, Charlene, from Ladies Off-Road Network. And we've got a little bit of that interview right now. Yeah, you'll hear about Charlene traveling uh, across the country doing uh, some uh, teaching sessions uh, with women. Uh, uh, again, uh, I think it's mostly in the central and eastern United States. But let's, uh, let's find out more. So, Charlene, what was going on here today? So, today we did our Ladies Off-Road Trail Training. It's a summer 2018 tour that is 33 days, 24 stops, I don't want to say across the U.S. because I'd be lying. I totally left the West Coast and came to the East Coast. And it has been amazing. Like, you guys are having a ton of fun learning, but it's so rewarding to me watching every single stop. All of these ladies just empowered and leaving with muscles and saying, yes, I can change a 37-inch tire and I can push a high lift up. And I can put my winch line in correctly, and now I get it. Now I see it, and now I know what everything is. So it's just been a it's been an awesome trip so far. And are you gonna do this again? <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's the giggle, but the answer is absolutely yes, 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 yes. We're doing it again. Uh, I already have some trips uh, scheduled for the California zone, the West Coast zone, uh, Canada zone. Canadian Jeep girls will be happy. <laughs> right. They're going to go crazy when that actually comes live. Um, and then, yes, I will definitely be coming back to the East Coast. Um, you girls rock on this side, and we always have known that. Uh, I just have only been able to come out for events, and now I'm going to do it for you. So, absolutely. And any new exciting things in store for Ladies Off-Road Network? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> like I ever said, still, right? Right. So the trail training is on the gas. Uh, we had our second convention in Salt Lake City. Our convention next year will be on the East Coast, ladies. Woo yes, and that will be uh, the first weekend in August, August 1st through 4th. Watch for me to uh, release the date and or the location right around Christmas time. That's when that happens. Uh, and then next year, we also have our Ladies Off-Road Challenge that is completely different. So if you've ever heard of the challenge, take it out of your thoughts and come and play. It's a 10-week challenge where you have to do 11 things, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, plus all kinds of other stuff. You're just going to have to hold on. <laughs> Thanks, Charlene. You're awesome, Tammy. Thank you. I had a blast. I learned. I've been in a lot of off-road trainings, and... I still learned so much more. There's just so much more to learn. And, it, you know, thank you. What was the moment for you that it was a turning moment? Um, the tires. Mm -hmm. And plugging the tires, learning about the tires, mm -hmm. getting that knowledge, and um, knowing that I can change a tire. I can lift a 37-inch tire and change it. Yeah, you thought I was crazy when you were right. sitting down there. You said, I can't do this. And I said, well, yes, you can. And you did, huh? Right. Yeah. I've got this. Breathe, Tammy. Breathe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're awesome. Thank it's you. so fun. Thank you. It's amazing what you can do with a 110-volt uh, cattle prod. Yeah, well, you know, a little <laughs> encouragement never hurt anybody, right? Well, maybe it did in this case. 20, uh, no. 24 locations in 33 days? Good God. I knew That's she was doing this. That's a road I did, trip. Yeah, I didn't know that it was doing it in that many places in that short a time. Oh my God, that's like uh, like being rock and roll singer or something going across the country. 
It sounded like she might have let the cat out of the bag a little bit. It sounds like the Canadian Jeep girls are going to be in for quite a surprise, and they don't know it yet. So uh, maybe there might be an exclusive Jeep talk show news item right there that we uh, aren't aren't really officially... uh, pointing to or anything so <laughs> but that'll, that'll be sure that'll be pretty cool it sounds like uh she's having a lot of fun uh doing this and it sounds like this is going to be something that will continue on in years uh, in the future yep yep uh, good stuff hey guys coming up a little bit later in the show we've got the one and only nikki g you like him you love him you might just barely tolerate him <laughs> You got tech questions? Oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I can, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Last week, we continued our discussion on upgrading the Dana 30 under your JK or JKU Wrangler. I probably surprised a lot of people when, after outlining all the weaknesses of the stock JK Dana 30, I then went into detail about just why you should keep it and not immediately throw it on Craigslist. In doing so, I tried to teach you the importance of three little words when it comes to upgrading your Jeep. Return on investment. The overall objective throughout all of this is not only to keep you wheeling by reducing downtime, but to address some key improvements that will make your stock in 30 not only much stronger, but also a lot more attractive to potential buyers, and worth a lot more when it comes to the time to sell it off. Now, last week, I outlined one of the very first steps in making the JK Dana 30 stronger and addresses a couple of the weakest points on the outside of the axle. This week, we're going to delve a little deeper into the internals of the axle. With the housing strengthened, well, the next logical place to put your hard-earned money is in the gearing of the axle. Upgraded gearing resolves the most common issue associated with the factory Dana 30 or 44, and that's running larger tires. It's like one of the very first things we do to our Jeeps, right? With the stock 355 to 1 gearing, the Model X JK, for instance, is limited to a 33-inch tall tire. Go with any bigger and the vehicle becomes super sluggish off the line and is basically undrivable around town if there's any serious hills. If 35s are your target target tire size and the Dana 30 under the JK is plenty capable of running Dana 35s, then 456 to 1 is the ratio you're going to be looking for. If 37s or larger are in your future, which I'd recommend not running on the Dana 30 simply because the axle's components are not strong enough to wheel with that much rotating mass, then you'll need to be geared a lot deeper, and a set of 488 to 1 gears will be what you're looking for. Anything bigger than that, and you're into some serious deep gearing with ratios like 513 to 1. So once you know the gear ratio that you want to run in your axles, it's time to pick a brand. Now, some gears are made better than others. Some are made with better steel. Some are heat treated to increase the strength. There will be some manufacturers that will focus on quality to ensure that there's easy installation and smooth, quiet operation. Now, other companies focus more on value. And so some of the finer points of the finishing process are foregone so they can offer a product at a lower price. Now, you'll need to do some homework and see what others are saying about what brands. I can tell you that brands like Yukon and Superior have been around for a very long time and have good reputations. So start there and do some research and you'll eventually narrow it down. The stock Dana 30 gearing is also not as strong as it could be. Just comparing the Dana 30 pinion gear to that from one of like a Dana 44 and you can easily see where a lot of the strength of the larger axle comes from with it being, being nearly double in size. Now, if you're completely content on the stock tire size and have no need to re-gear, but maybe you want stronger gears, well, you don't necessarily have to go with something from the aftermarket. You can improve the strength of the ring and pinion gear set inside of your axle's differential by simply having them cryogenically treated. 
Cryogenics bathes the metal in liquid nitrogen at minus 301 degrees Fahrenheit. The process changes the state of the metal, making it much less likely to, to develop fractures or cracks. The results are, in the simplest of terms, a stronger, more durable metal with a much higher yield strength. Now, if you opt to do this mod, the strength of the stock Dana 30 gear set will be nearly the same of that as a Dana 44. Costs for this are relatively low, with the average being about 50 bucks. Next week, we're going to start addressing some of the other internal components of the Dana 30 and see what else we can do to not only upgrade its strength, but also its value, too. Well, I took all the beer out of the fridge and put my ring opinion in there, and I got 50,000 more miles out of it. <laughs> no, I have heard of people uh, putting their carriers uh, in, the, in the freezer overnight yeah. uh, to make it easier get to the put in the differential. Yeah, get it to shrink a little bit. But, uh, but that is not what I'm talking about <laughs> when I say cryogenically treated, folks. Your freezer will not get down to 301 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that, that is something that is professionally done. And I, I guarantee you, Anybody in your, any town that you live in, uh, there's going to be a spot within a driving distance that can offer these sort of services for you. It's not going to be, you know, Bill's cryogenic treat, gear treating center. You know, it's not going to be anything like that. But you're going to call around, maybe call up some of your local, um, you know, off-road parts stores or something like that, your local four-wheel drive shop, and talk to those guys. They'll, at the very least, be able to point you in the right direction. I did not realize it was only 50 bucks. I mean, that would be more than worth it. Uh, now, does that change? Uh, well, you have to set the pinion depth and everything, so I guess oh, it doesn't yeah. matter, now, but... There's going to be a full, you know, reinstallation that's going to have to go through this. I'm going to recommend you replace your seals and, and you know, all that sort of stuff, too. Might want to do your bearings. You know, might want to go ahead and, and, and spend the little bit of money it's going to take to get a master rebuild kit. And that's mm -hmm. going to replace all the bearings and seals. And essentially, at that point, you're going to be putting in a fresh gear set that's going to be a lot stronger than the one that you took out. Well, I guess if you were uh, doing an upgrade, uh, going to the the lower gear ratios, then that, and, you, and, and you didn't, you know, you were doing the rebuild anyway, just getting it cryogenically uh, treated prior. Uh, but but it doesn't. I mean, the bolt holes still line up. And oh yeah, no, everything everything stays the same. We're basically just changing the properties of the metal, not changing the geometry of it. Yeah. And this is something that can be done to virtually anything. And this isn't doesn't apply exclusively. To a JK Dana 30. Right. You have a Dana 60 that you want to do this to, no problem. You got a stock, you know, Chrysler eight and a quarter, not a problem. You want to take your axle shafts and have them sent in for cryogenic treating. That is something that can be done as well. And I've actually I have a buddy who's running cryogenically treated axles that he had treated 10 years ago, and he's still rocking those things. So this is definitely a proven technology. It's out there. People are doing it, and you can do it too. See if they'll let you uh, throw in some of those uh, disposable, cheap disposable razor uh, blades because uh, <laughs> it, it really will. It'll I got make my them, Gillette Mach Three here. Can it'll, you dip that in? <laughs> it'll make them. It'll make them last a lot longer. <laughs> well, is there anything that you guys want to add? Maybe I have a question for Tech Talk. Just jump over to JeepTalkShow.com/slash/contact. Send us a message with your questions. Who knows? We might just answer it here on the air. And if we do, we might just send you a sticker too. Hey, veteran-owned and operated Route 16 Off-Road is a brand that focuses on giving back. This is a company that looks for ways to help elevate the Jeeper, their rig, and their events they attend. Always looking for ways to support the Jeep community, and then, of course, finding ways to keep some of the money in every Jeeper's pocket. 
Route 16 Off-Road has helped sponsor some great clubs and events from the Yorari OHV Jamboree, Myrtle Beach Jeep Jam, Carolina Trails Off-Road, Yorari Invasion, the Marine Recon Challenge, Top Sail Island Jeep Week, and the 36 Hours of Yorari Adventure Race. Team True Patriot. If we're at an event you're attending, make sure you stop by and say hi. Answer a quick question for Jeep Talk Show and even order your next parts on our web orders tent. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even Pinterest at Route16. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X. Or just head straight to our website, Route16.com. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X.com. Route16 Off-Road. We live the Jeep life and give back to it, too. Extreme Terrain is back at it again with another exciting giveaway partnered with freestyle motocross rider Brian Deegan. Now, for those who don't already know, not only is Deegan a 10-time X Game medal winner, but he's also raced in multiple rally and off-road classes, as well as a brief stint in the realm of monster trucks. Extreme Terrain and Brian Deegan have recently teamed up and created a new brand of armor designed exclusively for the Jeep Wrangler. The Deegan 38 series of Wrangler parts are a collection of top-quality, unique products created specifically with the serious off-roader in mind. To celebrate this new line of Wrangler products, Extreme Terrain is giving away not just one, but two $3,000 Deegan 38 prize packages. From LED light bars to Deegan 38 edition Mickey Thompson tires, and even super tough armor pieces to protect your rig from the worst. You won't want to miss out on this amazing giveaway with proven parts from Deegan 38, especially with two chances to win. Participants around the U.S. are encouraged to visit Extreme Terrain's Deegan 38 Wrangler Armor Giveaway sign-up page at extremeterrain.com slash win. Now, don't worry. We'll have that link in our website, too, in the show notes for this episode. And don't forget to enter daily to maximize your chances of winning some sweet gear for your JK or JL Wrangler. Terms and conditions may apply. See official rules on the entry form. And good luck to all who enter. Two $3,000 packages. That's like $7,000. I carry the three square root of four. Yeah, you're right. Are you tired of all that noise from those other shows? I think you have to keep that rig at the moment. Now you can relax to the pleasing tones of the Jeep Talk Show every week. Unless you got Dana 60s and 40s. Get the highest audio quality possible with each download. Now, you know, you can use them in with them, with them super swampers. And if you're tired of all that other stuff. Uh, and a thing with a deck of big old tires and a lighter. Then subscribe to the highest quality podcast on the web. The Jeep Talk Show. Available on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher Radio, and more. You guys are going to give me a beer. Hey guys, it's Nate. I uh, just finished episode, uh, what, 346? And uh, I just wanted to say thank you for the uh, the magazine subscription. That's very much appreciated. Completely not necessary, but very appreciated. I just wanted <laughs> to call and thank you with my voice, since I can't visit Tony and thank him in person. Maybe I'll thank Tammy in person next time I see her, even though I have no idea if she had anything to do with it. <laughs> At any rate, thanks, guys, and keep up the good work. Thanks. Hey, we're all a team here, so of course she didn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> Tammy's going, ah, you know, you can't talk. You can't say can, anything when hear, you're not here. I can, I can hear the two-week notice <laughs> getting drafted up from here. I don't that's it. I well, quit. It'd, it'd be a four-week notice because she wouldn't be here for the first two weeks. <laughs> oh, Tony. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we love Tammy. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. 
Well, hi ho boys and girls. We have a uh, another interview this week, and it's going to be with uh, Mike Heath of True Patriot, Inc. Now, Mike, uh, I got to say, when I saw your last name, I couldn't help but think of the m- my most greatest memory of a candy bar ever, the Heath Bar. Love that chocolate <laughs> and that... <laughs> That English toffee. Yeah. Do you get sick about hearing the Heath Bar reference? You know, actually, I don't. And on the phone, a lot of people, they'll, they'll think I'm saying health. So I usually say Heath as in the candy bar. Oh, perfect. So it's not a, it's not a dig at all. It's actually uh, something that you use. You know, uh, people exactly. don't, people, a lot of people don't understand the, the difficulty with last names. Mine's Muckleroy. And somebody will say, oh, did I pronounce that correctly? And I'll say, don't worry about it. I don't pronounce it right myself. So <laughs> at least Heath is easy to say. Do, do, do people ever think you're, you're British or something because of the last name being kind of a, uh, an English-sounding name? Um, sometimes. Uh, but You can you say, know, hell no. I don't know. It just, it just struck me. I see Heath. You think about Heath, uh, the Scottish people or, or somebody from the, you know, the, the little island over there. And uh, I th- well, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I can trace my 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 lineage actually back to Wales. So, oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think uh, the Muckleroy name goes back to like the nine hundred eighty, whatever it is after after zero. And uh, it was right. uh, my mom did some genealogy uh, research on it, and I thought it was pretty cool. There's a there's a lot of letters have been added since. Uh, uh, 900. I guess they didn't. They weren't invented back then. That's the reason why they weren't in the name. So uh, before we get started, let's hear a little bit about you. Uh, now, uh, surely, surely you've got a Jeep. I I do. I I currently have have two. Uh, they are my fourth and fifth one. Um, so I'm on my second JK and my second TJ. Oh, okay. Uh, um, and in the middle there, I also owned an, an, an XJ. There you go. That's uh, everybody has to, needs to at least own an XJ at one point in their life. Do you see, a, do you see, do you, do, you, do you see a big difference between the XJ and the TJ other than uh, being able to take the top off? Um, you know, yeah, because of, because of the, the length of, of the vehicle, oh, yeah. had I kept it longer you know, um, that that would have been an awesome overlanding rig where with the TJ, with the approach and departure angles because of the short wheelbase, I mean, that's a, a perfect rock crawling rig. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's great for getting around uh, obstacles, that's for sure. But getting up and over things, the uh, the XJ sometimes helps out. Now, I don't know if you've uh, you, you mentioned before we started this that you have listened to some of the uh, some of the shows. I don't know if you know we have a red black, red Jeep black thing uh, uh, black Jeep things going on here. And uh, even though Tammy's not here, I'm still going to ask you. This is this is a critical question. Uh, <laughs> what color? Well, actually, you, since you've had many Jeeps, what was your your color of your favorite Jeep? Uh, so it was, it was actually green and it was on my 2000, uh, my 2000 TJ. It was, you know, and it even had a salvage title. It was a 2.5 manual transmission, had a two inch, uh, skyjacker lift, but that was an awesome little Jeep and it was so much fun. 
Well, you know what they say about green jeeps. Mm, yeah, that? I guess green jeeps are okay. <laughs> we before the before the red jeep black jeep thing, we had a, a red jeep gr- green jeep thing on xjtalk.com, which is a little uh, little uh, forum that I started up, and we had some uh, red jeep green jeep rivalry going on there. So it's a long history yeah. of red being the best color. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's actually kind of funny that you have a red jeep black jeep uh thing going on because my my tj that i picked up probably about a month ago now um it's a red jeep but my my jku is a black jeep so i have one of each yeah that is funny uh we uh i had originally gone to pick up a, a tj in 1998 and uh got my wife uh take her back down to the jeep dealership so she could have a look and give me the final thumbs up. She's a uh, has always been interested in having a Jeep as well, and uh, looked at it. And while we were in there waiting for one of the salespeople, they had this beautiful red four door uh, XJ sitting on the showroom floor with uh, every uh, addition to it known to mankind. And uh, we had a couple of uh, a couple of kids, uh, small children, three and four years old. And I said, you know, red's our favorite color. And I said, you know. Why don't we look at this? It's it's a Jeep. It's a four-wheel drive, and it's a four-door, so it'd be easier to, to transport the girls back and forth than it would be in the right. TJ. Well, she says, I, I really, yeah. really would like to have a Wrangler. I said, well, let's drive this one a couple of years, and we'll get a Wrangler. We, you know, Just because we get this one now doesn't mean we have to you know keep it forever. So right. here we are 20 years later, and I still drive the XJ daily. Back and forth to work, <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, and about nice. about five years ago, uh, I uh, I went out went out on Craigslist and found a a 2003 uh, TJ for her, and uh, it, you know it's exactly the exact exactly the same paint paint code color. So we have two red Jeeps. So I'm uh, mm-hmm. per- perpetuating the red Jeep uh, thing here. <laughs> nice. Well, and. You, you know, I've, I've, I've come to the point where, where personally, I like the reds and the yellows, um, just because it's they're easier to see and it's it's a safety thing both when yeah. you're on the road and and you're off the road. It's just they're easier to see. Yeah, yeah. I keep telling Tammy this. As you know, black Jeeps you just can't see. It's not like, look at me, look at, you know, look how great this Jeep is. And I, I think an off-road vehicle should be bright colors and just really out there. But anyway, so that's great. Wow, lots of Jeeps. Uh, yeah, I think we've got, uh, I've got three here myself and my daughter just bought a 2001. So uh, as soon as we sell this Honda she used to drive, it'll be an all Jeep family. <laughs> Nice. It's not a requirement for me having the talk show. By the way, they they made these decisions <laughs> on their own. <laughs> hey, but it but it is a bonus. It is. Yeah, well, they also know somebody that can work on them because I have to fix all of them. Uh, but anyway, right. Mike, too much fun. It, you know, yeah, it is. When you start talking about Jeeps, you can get off on a tangent about uh, all kinds of things. I want to ask you about what kind of modifications. Is, yeah, I want to ask what kind of modifications <laughs> you've made, all that stuff. But we, we need to talk about True Patriot. Otherwise, we're going to run out of time. So uh, tell me a little bit about True Patriot and how you got involved in it. Well, so True Patriot was founded in November of 2015. Our president and vice president, Marcos and Jesse Castellano, 
Marcos is a National Guard soldier, and previously before that, he spent uh, six years active duty. And so when they came to North Carolina, uh, they started True Patriot as a way to reach out and, and give back to service members and veterans. And so for myself, um, in September of September of 16, mm-hmm. I started what is now become True Patriot's activity program is Patriot Therapy. And, you know, I started that because having Jeeps, loving being outside, being, you know, back in the woods or just you know, on on the trails and just enjoying the therapy that, that 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 came with. You know, I was like, hey, I know there were there were other service members and veterans that could benefit from this type of therapy. And I had a friend that was talking to me about the about doing the Trans America Trail. And I was like, man, that would be awesome. You know, we could get our Jeeps together. We could get a couple of veterans to go, to go with us as, as co-drivers, you know, and that would just be an awesome trip. Well, that blossomed into actually starting Patriot Therapy uh, June of 2017. Marcos and Jeff and I, we, we, we met and, uh, Patriot Therapy at the time was not a 501c3. Um, I, I was working towards that point, just hadn't gotten there yet. Um, still being active duty military, I, you know, I, I wasn't sure how far I was going to be able to take this before I retired. And so, you know, and so they, uh, Marcos and Jesse all, already had the 501c3 for True Patriot, and they just offered me that opportunity to combine Patriot Therapy, which, like I said, is now our activity program with True Patriot. And I had been doing it for uh, about eight or nine months by that time, and, you know, I knew I was making progress, and I knew I could fit it in, and really, it was just the perfect fit. And you know, I got, I got pushed into, well, I got, I, w- I was internally driven to, to, to step up and start reaching out and helping because so many, so many veterans are lost every single day. To, to suicide due to PTSD. And I knew that my Jeep helped me with that. And I went through a span where in uh, six months, I lost th- three, three friends that I had been downrange with uh, to PTSD and suicide and other things. And like, you know what? I, I can't wait any longer. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I have this opportunity I got this vehicle that I, I love going out on the trails with, and it'll take me almost any place I want to go. I got to do it. And so, you know, that's that's how, that's really how I got started. 
So let me ask you this real quick. Uh, now, I know going out on the trail is fun and it's exciting and it's interesting, but how does that, and, and I, I think I can ask you this since it, since it seems to have uh, helped you, how does getting out on the trail, driving the Jeep, how does that help uh, somebody that has PTSD uh, to, to relieve that stress or, or does it, or is it just kind of <laughs> a different kind of stress? Uh, so, I mean, it does, right? Because for service members, regardless of your branch, when you're downrange and you're conducting missions, you know, you have, because you have that sense of danger, you also have a constant flow of, of adrenaline and that translates into being in a jeep off off road because you know it's not always a smooth trail there are times it's it it's challenging you know and you're and you know you aren't sure your rig is gonna make it to the top of this climb um and so you get you get that adrenaline, you get that that hyper focus, uh, which is again, it's much like what a lot of veterans ex- experience when they're deployed. Um, but now you're doing this in a much safer environment. So the the come down to this is your as you come back down, you just you you're able to realize, oh, you know, I wasn't really in in danger there, and I'm relaxed. And man, that was it was exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you know, you're able to, to to realize, yes, I I went through some hard, challenging times, but I made it through. And I've, I can also go through tough and challenging times having fun on the trail, but I, I can make it through. And, you know, that's the first aspect of it where, like, okay, I can still, I can still get that, that adrenaline going, you know, and that, uh, and that adventure high, that adventure rush. Um, but then, but then, but then it also helps with PTSD because because now you can control that that adrenaline high and and that rush so that you aren't always at at a low, right? From mm-hmm. being post deployment, post war, and seeking that high and that release in other avenues such as drugs and alcohol you know, or other risky behaviors. And so you can then, as you build your skills, um, as veterans did that we put together for our 36 hours of URE team, you know, they built these skills. They got, they got adventure that helped them, that, that helped them live their lives uh, again after their military service and just have that excitement and that passion or something that now they're also looking at it. Okay, so I have this. It's going to. I'm going to let it empower me, and I'm going to use it to help other veterans. And as as we do that, then helping those other veterans helps us 
cope and deal with the issues that we we brought back from our time downrange. You know, uh, I assumed that uh, you were a veteran, but I, I was going to check before uh, before I said so. But thank you very much for your service. I have a great deal of respect uh, for uh, all the military service members. Uh, I, I know uh, not everybody's respectable, but for anybody <laughs> that goes out and protects the country, uh, even if they're not active uh, on in the uh, in one of the fields of danger, uh, I, I still appreciate them being there because I know everybody provides uh, service to the country. And, and thank you just very, very much. Uh, and also, too, I, I love hearing about what you're doing here with uh, True Patriot. I, it, I, I don't understand it. I've never served in the military. Uh, the most riskiest thing I've ever done is uh, eat tacos at a mobile uh, one of those roach coaches. So, <laughs> so I can't I can't identify, and it it just it's depressing to hear about our soldiers that have risked their lives uh, committing suicide. I mean, it's it's bad enough uh, for just anybody uh, committing suicide, but these these heroes that have gone out and put their life in danger, and then to survive that, come back home. And then commit suicide. It's like it, it just doesn't make sense to me. So anything that that people can come up with to keep that from happening, I'm all for. Well, you know, thank you. I've I'm one of the lucky ones, um, you know, which being one of the the lucky ones has its own issues that I deal with, um, but it's also one of the things that that drives me, you know, um, because you know, losing losing a hero who who stopped his whole life or her whole life uh, to go over to someplace else that really they didn't want to be, right? Sure. But they went in in order to protect their family and protect their country and their beliefs and their way of life. And then to come back and not be able to adapt and reintegrate into a normal everyday life. You know, that's, that's when those suicidal tendencies creep in. And that's really why we want to engage as many veterans as possible and bring them in, you know, because we understand what they're going through and help them find whatever's going to work for them, right, um, to, to empower them to live that life that they gave up. You know, I'm, I'm a jeeper, like, uh, you know, I said, I've, I'm on my fourth and fifth jeep. I love off-roading. But, you know, I love to hike, hunt, and, and camp. I've kayaked before. I, I love that. Mm -hmm. um, I've, been, I've been deep sea fishing, and that was a great ad, ad, adventure mm -hmm. um, before my body said, hey, man, you're getting too old. You know, the <laughs> Army, they would throw me out of, of a perfectly good airplane on a regular basis. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, and I mean, that's adrenaline rush in itself. Sure. But, you know, the we have so many veterans that they they don't 
they don't know how to enjoy the life that they have left because because they've been downrange and they've seen things that are truly disturbing and truly ugly. And so they have a hard time re, re, readjusting, right? But mm-hmm. you get them together with other veterans and, you know, we're going to take Jeeps and off-roading, right? And you get them excited about that. And then you get them out on the trails, right? And you've been riding for an hour, hour and a half, two hours. And you you pull up here in North Carolina. We have Uari, uh, which has the, we call them the, the three Ds. It's, uh, it's, it's Dutch John, Dickie Bell, and Daniel. And you pull up to the top of one of these and, you know, you're, you're helping to, to guide other people up. And and everybody gets up, and then you know you're a veteran who's struggling with PTSD, but you know you you see this Jeep, and you know whether whether it's got an inch of lift and 33s or four inches of lift and 37s, you know it might be a JK, it might be a TJ, an XJ, doesn't really matter, right? You're excited about what this other jeep did and you know you saw this other veteran and their jeep that conquered this obstacle mm-hmm. and then you know you're talking about lifts and tires <laughs> and lockers you know and the whole gamut yeah and 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 in that moment these veterans they forget about all this other stuff and they're enjoying where they're at and they're enjoying their life and being with other veterans and they're enjoying talking about something that that isn't going to that it doesn't involve risking their 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 lives. And with that, they start to understand. Hey, you know, I can enjoy my life again. I, you know, and I can do this. And there's other like-minded individuals. And you know, we can have a great time and just live the life that we put on hold however many years ago it was, where, you know, whether it was two, four, eight, or 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, real quick, before we get too far down the road from this thing, I wanted to talk about the uh, the programs that you've set up uh, at True Patriot. I know there was a a couple that I was interested in, uh, the uh, Patriot Therapy Program. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about that one first. Okay. Um, so, you know, what I've, what I've been talking about the last couple of minutes, you know, that's, that's right there. That's our Patriot Therapy Program, right? Because it's, it's outdoors, it's therapeutic, uh, and you're just enjoying life. And so, what what we've also done with that is that is a tool for empowerment. So mm-hmm. uh, two weeks ago, we did our Operation 36 Hours of URI. And in that, um, we took and we found two veterans. One had a decent amount of off-road Jeep experience, but his his Jeep is it's a, a, a sport. It's not locked. Um, you know, so he's got a little bit of skill, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't the, the most capable vehicle, right? It wasn't a Rubicon, right? you know? Um, and so we took, 
both these veterans and we put them in my Jeep, uh, which is a Rubicon. Here comes the bragging. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, there are, there are, there are benefits to, to having a 41 transfer case and oh, lockers. Yeah, I yeah. mean, uh-huh, I it know. just, it just is. <laughs> um, but, you know, so we put them in my vehicle and True Patriot paid for the gas. Uh, one of our great sponsors, great friend of ours in Route 16, Brian Plummer, he, he, he stepped up and he actually paid the entrance fee for the team to compete. Wow. Um, nice. And then another one of our sponsors, a great group that we work with uh, a lot in several of our activities within True Patriot is overland experts and they provided the training for the team and um for any of the of the listeners that aren't familiar with either of those two programs with either of those two companies uh route one six is a a off-road an off-roading company that has all kinds of of aftermarket price um aftermarket products Mm -hmm. and uh you know brian He's trying to build, instead of more than just a business, which, you know, it is, but he's also trying to build a community of Jeepers and off-roaders that will get together, enjoy time out on the trails. We'll talk about, you know, their their rigs and what they're doing, and we'll just enjoy each other's each other's company. Um, and, you know, it's... It's a great thing that Brian's doing. Well, I, I just want to—I just want to jump in there real quick and tell you. I think yeah. Brian is trying to. I think he's watched too many episodes of or too many movies of Austin <laughs> Powers, and I think he's actually trying to take over the world. So I just want to warn you about I, him. <laughs> you, you know, it, Brian and I—we have lunch probably about two or three times a month, and you know, I—I—I—I I, 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 I kind of get that that feeling but you know i i like i i like his objective so it's the I'm charisma it's the charisma that gets you from oh, these people man, he's, he's so charismatic <laughs> no brian's a great friend of the show I and brian. i give and i give him a hard time on the show anytime i uh, anytime i can uh, work it in sideways so <laughs> no it's uh, route one six <laughs> is a, uh, a great business and everybody should uh, go over there and visit their site and see all their their fun products now uh, I, I wanted to ask yeah. you a quick question about the patriot therapy now I know that there are uh, uh, multiple amputees uh, from uh, IUDs and uh, uh, things that happen out in the the, the field of war. Um, are there any limits on the folks, the the veterans that can ride uh, along? And I'm assuming these are ride-alongs, not actually being in control of the jeep. Or, or correct me if I'm wrong on that. Well, so I mean, if if they are going to ride along as absolutely is not a limitation Excellent. um other than then there are some individuals who have se- severe back severe oh, back injury yeah, yeah and so you know then the only limitation is the difficulty of the trail we can take them on right but, but if, if right, but because I know legs are very important in, in stabilizing yourself in a vehicle, especially when you're off road, and if if you don't have uh, fully functional legs, it, it can make 
a, make a ride very difficult and even potentially hazardous. So I would assume you guys just strap their ass in tight and take off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you know, and that's exactly it. That's and, great. Um, well, we have well, well, two Patriot has not had the opportunity yet to actually get an amputee into a driver's seat. There is a great organization based on the West Coast called called Warfighter Made. Um, and I have been in touch with them. And if that opportunity does ever arise, you know, uh, we have between them and, again, uh, our other sponsor, Overlander Experts, uh, you know, the three of us will combine the efforts in order to help an amputee who wants to actually get behind the wheel and drive be able to reach their goal. So real quick, let's talk about the this other program, uh, Canine Comrades. Uh, now, Canine, yep. that, that caught my eye because that's about dogs, and I love me some dogs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, and actually most of the of the veterans we've placed a canine with are Jeep owners. Um, imagine that. Great people, great <laughs> animals, you know, uh, man's best friend. Uh, they just, they go together. So, you know, that's, it's exactly as it sounds. It's a program that we have developed with a uh, couple other organizations and sponsors that help in, that help provide us with uh, with potential service animals that can go to a veteran to meet their needs. Um, the, you know, and I'll just tell you a quick story of the first one that we placed here in 2018. Uh, we placed it with a gentleman who uh, almost eight years ago now, he started the URI Veterans Day ride. He's a medically retired Army soldier. Um, the Ori Veterans Day ride is an event that True Patriot now 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 runs each year. Um, but Josh is a great guy, and he's just he's just been struggling. And so we got Josh a a service animal in training, and uh, her name is is Dana and Dana was seven <laughs> weeks old when Josh got her uh -huh. and you know within three to four within three to four weeks Josh and Dana had bonded where if Josh was having a nightmare in the middle of the night she would wake him up mm -hmm. and that was before she even started her her actual training uh, her service animal training that we have scheduled and set up for Josh and Dana so that, you know, they can go through the training, get the certification. And at the end, Dana will be a certified service animal, you know, and Josh, wherever he goes, he'll put Dana in, in the Jeep. Uh, if they're driving on the, on the highway, he'll put Dana in, in the passenger seat uh, if they're going on the trails, he'll put her in in the back, you know, on a uh, in a harness. The one thing he has learned is that Dana does not like when uh, when when tree limbs brush against the the uh, the plastic windows of the. Oh, okay. So when 
Yeah, so when he's going off-road, he takes them off now. And, you know, as soon as he stops, you know, Dana's right there by him. And Dana provides him another level of security and protection that's always there that Josh is able to count on, which helps alleviate his stress, his anxiety. And so, you know, he's not always amped up at level 10 trying to pull 360-degree security all by himself. Right. So uh, just a quick question. Uh, the, this dog's name was Dana. Is that a, a trend that all the dogs for these uh, military Jeep owners have uh, uh, Jeep part names? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's surprisingly not. This is roll bar. You know, this it, is uh, <laughs> interfender. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Nope. No, nope, don't know, take me seriously. The, don't take me seriously. It's just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's perfect. You know, when, uh, you know, she, uh, you know, Dana's a, a female, a female Belgian Malinois and, you know, and roughly when she is uh, fully grown, you know, she'll roughly be about forty-four pounds, give or take. You oh know, well, this Dana is a 44. Dana. This is well. I was go. thinking Dana sixty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, well, uh, Mike. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being here tonight. Uh, let's uh, let's tell the kids. You know how the kids love that social media. How can they reach out and uh, uh, get more information about uh, True Patriot? Or if you're a veteran and you want to get involved with uh, True Patriot, how do how do they find you on the social media, the websites, that type of thing? So our Website is truepatriotinc.org, and that ink is I-N-C. It's not like the tattoo ink. (laughs) Um, Our Facebook page is True Patriot. And then on Instagram, we have the True Patriot page. And then we also have the Patriot Therapy page, where we highlight the activities that we do with True Patriot. And you guys are located in uh, North Carolina. Is it pretty much uh, just the that region uh, that you guys are, are active at? Uh, so, so we're we'll get people from Virginia, South Carolina, Tennessee. Uh, we did an event in July at a great private property called Outdoor in the Smokies. Um, you know, and really, we're just we're trying to grow you know, where we can reach as many veterans as possible. We're not going to limit ourselves. So, you know, if you're in one of those states and, you know, you want you you want to help us put on an event and come up there and be a part of something awesome in a new town, you know, shoot us an email, uh, shoot us a message on Facebook and we'll definitely try to see what we can make happen. Excellent. Well, I just want to make sure that the folks knew that it, uh, if it was regional, uh, that they knew that. And if it wasn't, they also knew that. So that's that's great. Mike, I can't thank you enough for being here with us tonight. And uh, uh, just to, to wrap it up, if there was anything else that you wanted to throw out there, now's the time. Uh, you know, it's being a nonprofit, 501c3, um, everything that we do is be, is possible because of our sponsors. There's a there's a lot of them that would take me about ten minutes to list off. Great people 
and great organizations. We just want to thank them all and thank every veteran that has served. And, you know, if you're a veteran and you're listening and uh, you need some help, reach out to us. You know, if we can't answer the call for you, we we will at least work our, our best to help find a suitable answer for you. That's great. Uh, and I really appreciate that, uh, those great words, because uh, if if there's anything that can be done to stop the, the suicides, uh, it, it just needs to happen. And if it's a Jeep, if it's a dog, uh, if it's just a, uh, a pat on the back and a, a nice uh, conversation, I, I think that's uh, a little to ask for uh, such uh, service that, w- that has been given to this country. Mike, thank you very much again, and uh, hopefully talk to you again very, very soon. Ah, definitely. Hey, thank you for having me on, Tony. Oh, and big thanks again to Mike Heath for taking the time to talk about the great work that Team True Patriot is doing for our vets. Really some great stuff they're doing. And man, I, they don't have a whole lot of a West Coast presence out here. Might have to talk with Mike about getting uh, something set up over here for the Pacific Coast. Hey, do you guys have an idea for a guest? Maybe you want to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show. Do you work in the off-road industry? Or maybe you know somebody who does. Go to jeeptalkshow.com and, well, be sure to share with us all of their personal information. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> reach out to us. Reach out to us and let us know uh, what your idea is for our next great guest. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G, and I didn't really have time to come up with a joke this week. It's been pretty hectic around here. And we just told Sir Craps a lot that uh, he's adopted, and he didn't take the news too well. Although Wendy insists that he looks a lot like me. I want to take a second to talk to Tony about his overheating on the highway. Uh, when he hits 75 and your Jeep overheats, there's a simple solution for it. Uh, just do what I do. I just get on the highway and I travel at 45 miles an hour. This way a Jeep doesn't overheat. And you got a lot, a lot of Jeep waves from people, not even in Jeeps. And it's that new one finger wave. And a lot of people uh, will invite me out to this new bar called Out of Ways. So they keep yelling at me, get out of ways. And I've even had a uh, few invitations for uh, romantic encounters, but I'm sorry, people. This belongs to Wendy, lock, stock, and barrel. <laughs> That's right, Wendy. Think twice before you take a vow again. <laughs> All right, boys and girls, I'll uh, chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. But he looks like Sir Caps, Clap, craps a lot. <laughs> uh, you never know what, you, what you're going to hear from Nikki G, but it's uh, it's always interesting. Yeah, which came first, the dog or the divorce? I, I just hope that uh, we never get cheap medical insurance because he'll be back on his medication and we won't have anything to, to play. Aww. <laughs> hey, coming up in a few minutes, we're going to hear a little bit about some events happening in your hometown and around the nation in Wheeling Ware. It's <laughs> so funny. I'm reading ahead in the show notes here, and I see I'm reading ball joints, axle seals, and disc brakes, and I'm thinking, oh, my, and then I read it in the show notes. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, great minds. Working, alike, working together too long, Josh. Yeah, seriously. It's, <laughs> my God, it's been, what, six years now, six, seven years? So, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, Maybe we'll meet someday. <laughs> yeah, maybe one of these days. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Dozens of hours of online connection, talking to each other through headphones and microphones. You've never seen each other. Well, I mean, we've seen each other through uh, cameras and video, but never in person. 
That'll change one of these days. But, uh, but yeah, uh, ball joints. Uh, I told you guys a little while back uh, about the ball joints issue. Uh, the uh, the stupid Alloy USA ones that I was swearing up and down were great. I had two friends that put them in. Both of theirs went bad within a year, and uh, right after I got mine back on the road, sure enough, uh, start showing shi- signs of uh, of overwear as well on on mine. So uh, hooked up with uh, Brian at Route 16 Off Road, gave me a great deal on a set of spicers that I'm gonna be slapping in there. Uh, get some decent quality uh, ball joints back in there. Uh, and, uh, well, while I was back underneath the Jeep, uh, replacing the, uh, transfer case seal last weekend, I'm noticing, uh, some other things that are looking not the way they should. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to replace some axle seals here in the very near future and, uh, possibly even a wheel cylinder as well. And, uh, on the, on the Chrysler eight and a quarter, which has me thinking, all right, might be time to si- finally, uh, get serious about doing a disc brake conversion. So yeah. that that's kind of on my radar right now is a disc brake conversion for the Chrysler 8 and a quarter in the back of the 99XJ. So uh, be uh, I've got several write-ups and I've got PDFs and I've got shopping lists and I've got all my homework done for the most part, but it's been years <laughs> since I've done all of that. It's been on the back burner for so long that I've got to go back through and refresh my memory as to the direction that I wanted to go with this. So that that's what's on the radar right now. You thinking about uh, the Jeep uh, Liberty eight and a quarter disc brakes or going with the Grand Cherokee? Uh, you know, it, it comes down to the type of caliper that you can put on. And I believe that the ZJ1 um, is uh, gives you the ability to put on the uh, the uh, nip and dense. Now, I can't remember the, the – there's, there's two different – um, a caliper manufacturers that uh, that work for the disc brakes on the eight and a quarters. One was used on the on the Liberties or the Patriots. One was used on the Grand Cherokees. And if my memory serves me correctly, it's the one that's in the Grand Cherokees that that has um, the larger ca- uh, larger pistons in the caliper, mm. a little bit better of a caliper than than the other. Now I, I could be getting this mixed up. Like I said, it's been right. years since I've done this research. Um, but I've got all my notes uh, saved and everything. I'll have to go back in there and look at that, and then. Uh, I'll be able to share with you guys some better information. I'm thinking that the Jeep Liberty is the uh, eight and a quarter is the most uh, easiest swap because you don't have to drill out or not drill out, but uh, ream out the, right. the center hole of the uh, of the uh, the drum that goes on there, and it just it's really just a, a really quick fix. And I think uh, that the you can uh, reuse the uh, the emergency brake stuff uh, quite, yeah, quite easily brake- from uh, the the Liberty. Well, I think it's just a matter of, of modifying the the XJ emergency brake cable. I think you just you cut the end of it off and you use one of those little cable bracket things to kind of make a make an eye loop, uh, and and that mm-hmm. that works. I, I, that is one thing I do remember um, out of uh, out of my research there as far as so I don't have to replace. Uh, replace an entire brake line and you know try and rerun all that and whatnot so yeah well it, it's a great uh, it's a great thing to do and uh, then you have to go down the road of proportional valve or not you yeah know, to get all I, know. The- I was actually talking with a buddy about that uh, this weekend as, as to whether or not i want to do the proportioning valve out of the zj as well uh, and what that so what we're talking about here for as far as proportioning valve is any brake system in any vehicle is not 50 50 when you press on your brakes not it doesn't the pressure isn't applied equally to the front and the rear. There's actually a pretty substantial front bias. It's about yeah. sixty forty, and on some uh, some vehicles, it's even more than that. But it's about sixty forty on average. Sixty being you know sixty percent bias to the front uh, is where that you know your brake pressure goes. 
So um, with the 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 brake setup on the, on the Cherokees, disc brake in front, drum in the back. Um, I think it's a little bit more like seventy thirty. <laughs> but, it's, it's really high, yeah. Because uh, so uh, you know we're going to change that by using a different proportioning valve out of a vehicle that another Jeep that had um, uh, disc brakes both front and rear, and we're going to move that ratio back towards the center a little bit more towards a sixty forty or fifty fifty type of uh, of setup. Now the reason for this is is when you apply the brakes in a, in a heavy braking situation. And you get that nosedive, and that in the the, ve- the front of the vehicle goes down. Basically, what that's doing, it's applying as much vehicle weight to the front of the vehicle as possible, so that you can pr- apply as much pressure to the the contact patch of the tire, uh, the part of the vehicle that's touching the road, to be able to maintain steering and braking, and increase the ability to do that uh, with by, by adding weight. Think of it as the same sort of principles as why v- uh, guys with pickups throw sandbags in the back of their truck in the winter. You're increasing the weight. You're going to increase the traction. You're going to increase the ability for the vehicle to maintain its track. So that, that's what all this is doing, essentially, in the braking and the bias and whatnot. It's all safety, and it's all engineering, and it's all sorts oh, of God. yummy stuff. You're going to talk about math here in a second. No. I was told there'd be no math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what the, uh, what the, the good and the bad would be, but it seems like if you got disc brakes in the rear, uh, the 50-50 just – just you know, without thinking it through, it seems like it'd be the the greatest idea. Sounds like it'd be good for drifting too, because you'd want to lock up well, all four all four tires <laughs> to get a yeah, good slide five and a going. Half inch lifted Cherokee. You know, we're gonna be doing some four wheel drifts. That uh, no, not unless you need it's to get snowing. some some outriggers, some ten foot outriggers on either side, so you can keep from from flipping over. <laughs> So what's going on with your uh, your your cooling cell? You you, you said you uh, last week I think you you were talking about ditching the uh, the oil the auxiliary oil cooler and you're talking about potentially using a second heater core yeah. uh, the core out of a heater core um, for a, a sort of secondary cooling cooler. Well, let me correct <laughs> you, young man. I'm not ditching anything. I'm uh, putting the oil cooler on hold simply because there's a. Uh, Limited yeah. real estate as far as uh, putting yeah. the uh, the little condensers or the little radi- mini radiators uh, up on the front of the Jeep. Uh, yeah, I still need to measure the, you know, that bumper I had uh, custom made. There's a little area there with the seven slots just, just below the main part of the bumper. And there's mm-hmm. an area there that it ties back into uh, the, the nose of the uh, the XJ. Uh, right there at the same place that the, uh, the, the factory skid ties into. Anyway, there's a little opening in there. That I'm looking at uh, potentially uh, putting a uh, the radiator in there, and I, I kind of want to make it where it stands off a bit uh, and maybe stands a little more vertical because it's it's quite a uh, maybe a sixty degree tilt underneath. Well, I was there. gonna I was gonna ask you about that because some of the pictures that you've been sharing with me over the last week or two have uh, a couple of the setups have a little fan that goes with it as well, and I'm wondering if you have room in there. Even if it at, is at that 60-degree angle, that might be to your benefit if you do a little uh, pusher or puller fan in there to sort of assist the airflow. I'm thinking about just doing uh, the little mini radiator uh, or the little heater core by itself mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. my issue is occurring at highway speeds, not at crawling. Mm-hmm. This is true. This is true. So, so yeah, the fan isn't going to do anything for you when if, you're doing yeah, 75. If I can put it in a in an airflow situation where it's getting that airflow from – you know, 70 miles an hour going down the highway, I think that that's going to be sufficient to get enough uh, air through there. Now, my other concern is, is that the back of that thing is closed off. I mean, it literally goes up to 
the uh, like I was saying where it uh, where the, uh, the the skid plate ties into. So I don't mm. know how much airflow is going to be able to go straight through there. It's going to have to go through into the sides. Is that something uh, so, that maybe you could cut a couple of speed holes in there, give you a little bit of a flow through, that's maybe what I'm, increased? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But, uh, you know, the whole thing uh, hinges on uh, on me getting out there and doing some measurements and laying there and with a flashlight and taking yeah. some really close look, uh, look at what I have. And then things will get a lot easier. Right now, it's just a, a big unknown. Uh, I've, uh, I didn't get out there this past weekend and I was going to, uh, do that and get some, uh, get some parts ordered, but I didn't do it. But, uh, hopefully this weekend it'll happen. It's just been a little tough with all the, uh, the heat that we've been having. Oh man, you're telling me. So we, we've, uh, we, we broke records up here in the Northwest, uh, 30 some odd day, 31 days, uh, straight with 90 plus degree weather. I just unheard of out yeah. here in this in this region. I heard the trees uh, are complaining because they don't want anybody <laughs> hugging them because of the sweat stains. Haven't, haven't had any rain. <laughs> There's no rain. Everybody stinks out here. <laughs> so yeah, yep. Uh, I mean, I've been doing good on coming home. Uh, I'm starting to believe that the the bottom hose was uh, a little uh, a little rubbery uh, mm. from uh, you know like three years of use or something. And uh, I mean, we have not seen 98 uh, degree temps, which could have a lot to do with it. Uh, yeah. but, uh, I haven't been having any, uh, running hot issues, uh, since I changed out the hoses and, uh, of course, Sean helped me with uh, the thermostat up there at, uh, Hidden Falls. So, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Very good. Well, Hey, do you guys want to join in on the campfire side chat? Crack a beer with us, grab a chair, sit down and let's BS about Jeeps for a little bit. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and Find out all the ways that you can reach out to us and join in on the fun. Hey, guys, let's talk about some events that are coming up around the, well, around the area. We've got three huge off-road expos that are all happening next month. September 2018 is shaping up to be one of the best months for off-road shows in recent history. We've got the Northwest Off-Road Expo happening September 22nd at the Thomas Family Farm in Snohomish, Washington. We've got the Extreme Off-Road Expo happening uh, September 28th through the 30th, all weekend long at the Ionia County Fairgrounds in Ionia, Michigan. We've got the Lucas Oil Off-Road Expo. This is going to be the big one at the Fairplex in Pomona, California. So big, they got to put it at the Fairplex. And of course, if you guys want to know about any more details about any of these events or any event that you've heard on the Jeep Talk Show, we'll just head over to our website and check the show notes for this episode that you heard it on or any of the episodes you heard it on and we'll have the links there for you. Hey, do you know of an off-road event coming up or have you been to a Jeep event recently? We'd love to hear from you. Just go to our contact page at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and reach out to us. Let us know what you thought. That's it for this week, guys. Until next week, be sure to help us spread the word by telling a friend or a coworker or that cute girl in the topless Jeep at the intersection about the one and only Jeep Talk Show. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. The Jeep Talk Show is recorded live in front of a studio audience that is entirely imagined, made up, and not real in any way, shape, or form. Because honestly, who would pay to sit in a dark studio and watch the likes of us? Podcasting since 2010.